This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Ready to receive from the Word of God today? It's going to be good. Um, we started last week uh, talking about a series entitled "Less of Me, More of Him." How many of you guys internalized that this past week and just strove to be less of you and more of Him? A few of you. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, we're going to continue to talk about it because just as we read last week and John the Baptist talked about that we need to live a life where it's less of us and more of him, less of us and more of him. Let's say it together, less of me. Okay, one more time. Less of me, more of him. There you go. Less of me, more of him. John 3.30 says, he must increase and I must decrease. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. And so last week, one of the main, kind of the main point that we had was, is that what consumes us will control us. And uh, we looked at the disciples and how uh, the disciples were really consumed. They were consumed with being right. They were consumed with comparison. They were consumed with their feelings. They were consumed with trying to get things. Um, but John the Baptist, uh, he, he, he was consumed with preparing the way for Jesus. He, he heard these guys that were close to him. Uh, they were consumed with all these natural things, but not John. He knew exactly what his purpose was. He knew who he was. He knew what he was supposed to be doing. And... Uh, and so I don't know about you, but that's the way I want to live my life. I want to know my purpose. I want to know what it is that God's called me to do, and I want to be doing that. I want what it is that he wants to be growing greater and greater in my life, and what it is that I want to be growing less and less. And, and so this week, I want to, uh, you know, the when I was kind of thinking about some of these, these terms, I actually, uh, a verse of scripture came up. And if you remember in Matthew 26, uh, when Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane to pray, he knew that what was, what was about to take place. And so he was going there to pray because he knew that he was going to be betrayed. He knew that he was going to be sentenced to death. He knew that he was going to be beaten. He knew that the sins of the world were going to be laid upon him. And so he was going to this place uh, to, to, to pray and to talk with the Father. And while he was praying, this is the verse that really kind of came to me that I felt like we needed to use for today's scripture. And that is Matthew 26, 39. He prayed, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Aren't you glad? I am so grateful that Jesus said those words, that he said, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Because, because of that, because of what it is that he said, because of what it is that he walked out, light just went out, um, uh, he he did, he followed through on what it was the will of the Father. And because he followed through on the will of the Father, we have redemption. We've been redeemed from the curse. We've, we, you know, he paid for sin. He did all of these things because he did the will of the Father. He didn't do his own will. He did what it was that the Father sent him to do. And, and, and so I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for his obedience. And, um, you know, we in our lives, we are to live by the example of Jesus. Did you know that? We're, we're 
to live by his example. You know, John the Baptist, like we talked about last week, he, you know, he said, he, he must increase, I must decrease. So John, in essence, was saying, not my will, but your will be done. And, and so here we see J- Jesus praying the very same thing right before he's getting ready to go to the cross. And he says, not my will, but your will be done. You know, will is defined, and I think it's in your notes there and up on the screen, very simply that, that will is defined as desire or a wish or purpose, plan, intent. Those are all words that when you look it up uh, uh, that, that define will. And you may think that Jesus and John you know, had this great will, the will of the Father was great upon their lives, and you may be thinking to yourself, well, it's just me. I'm not Jesus, and I'm not John the Baptist. You know, the, the will of the Father and the plan and the purpose that God had for Jesus and John was so much greater. And so my, my, my will and my purpose isn't really that significant, Brian. So, you know, you're, you're not really, the two don't really compare. But, but actually, they do. They do compare when it comes to God's will, God's plan, his purpose, his intent for your life. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because I think that sometimes, you know, we ask these questions like, what is, what is God's will? What am I supposed to be doing? You know, um, where do I start? Sometimes, I know in my life, I've asked the question, have I missed it? You know, I'm trying to do something, but it doesn't seem like, like it's working. And so we, we, when we consider the will of God, we can sometimes have questions in our mind and in our heart, and, and, and we can struggle. And I think that sometimes uh, people legitimately don't know the will of God. They just, that's just, you know, they just don't understand it. And, and that's okay. Some, I think, are unsure when it comes to the will of God. And then I think the last one would be those that, that, that know the will of God but they just don't want to do the will of God. And First uh, John 2, 17 kind of speaks to this idea of knowing the will of God, but not really wanting to do the will of God. It says that the world is passing away along with its desires. Another way you could say it is the world is passing away along with its will, its intent, its plan, its purpose. But look what it goes on to say. But whoever does the will of God abides and lives forever. So I don't know about you, but I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like John the Baptist in my life where it's like I'm saying, not my will, but your will be done in my life. I don't want to fall into the category of the world where, where I'm doing my own will, my own intent, what it is that I want. I want to be doing the will of the Father. So no matter where you are in life, no matter what your view uh, uh, of God's will, his plan, his purpose is for you, you need to know that God ordained something great for you, for your life. The minute that you were conceived, God had a plan and a purpose for you. And, and it's beyond your wildest dreams, and he wants you to discover it. He wants you to live it out. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. God has a plan. He has a purpose, and he wants you to walk in that. It's never too late to walk in what it is that God has for you. I love what Psalms 143.10 says. It says, teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your purpose, Lord. Teach me to do your plan. For you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So if you're here today and you question the plan of God, you question the will of God, I've got good news. It says right here, he will teach you his will. 
He'll teach you his plan and his purpose. I can remember being a young man, I'm still a young man, but being even younger. Um, why are you guys laughing? I'm young. I can remember being a very, very young man and, uh, not, and just questioning, you know, the plan, the will, what it is that God wanted for me, where it was that God wanted me to go and, and, and do. And I can remember my dad, he, you know, he was the, probably the, he, he gave me many good pieces of advice, but the one thing that he talked about was he, he likened it to a car that didn't have power steering. Now, I, don't, I know they don't have very many of those anymore these days. I guess that dates me. Maybe that whole laughter about my age and not being young is validated by that, but whatever, okay? The point is, is that he just said that when you're in a car that doesn't have power steering or a tractor or whatever, you know, it, it's hard to steer when it's sitting still. But he said, if you get in the car and the car begins to roll and it begins to move, you can steer the wheel. And the same thing is true in our lives when it comes to the plan, the will. It's just like the psalmist said, he'll teach you. He'll teach you what it is you know, that, that he wants you to do, where it is that he wants you to go. But you gotta start moving in a direction, moving in his direction, moving in his will. Lord, this is the last instruction that you gave me. I'm gonna begin to go this direction and do this, and he will steer you in your life. I know he's done that for me. And so, so we just have to begin to move. So today, I, wanna, I just wanna share three simple uh, 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 thoughts when it comes to fulfilling God's will, his plan and his purpose for your, for your life. And that is, number one is this, very simply, understand. Understand, John the Baptist understood. We looked at this last week. He understood. He knew who he was and he knew who he wasn't. Remember, he went around telling everybody, I am not the Messiah. He knew that he was a forerunner to what it was that Jesus was doing. He knew that, that that was his job and his purpose was to go and share what it was that Jesus was up to. And he stayed in his lane and he understood his purpose. He knew that. And so, you know, John the Baptist understood it. Jesus even understood his, the will of God for him. Look at what it says here in John six thirty eight. It says, for I have come down from, uh, from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So Jesus knew and understood the will of the Father. Jesus was consumed with doing not his will, but the will of God. And, and so that was Jesus' uh, reason for coming was to do God's will in his life. Everything that J Jesus did on the earth was God's will. Look at what it says in John five nineteen. It says that Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son of man can do nothing by himself. Note this part right here. He does only what he sees the father doing. So he lived his life consumed with doing what the father told him to do. I don't know about you, but that's, that's how I wanna live my life. I wanna be consumed with what it is that the Father has told me to do and, and, and only do that. And so what is the will and what was the will of God? It went on to say in, in John six forty, this was the will of God. It says, and this is the will of him that sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. So the will of God was is that all of humanity would be saved. All of humanity would know. And, and it was through Jesus that this would take place. And so that was the will of God. That's what, what Jesus' 
purpose on this earth was to come and to give his life and to sacrifice for us so that we would have everlasting life. So Jesus understood the will of God. John the Baptist understood the will of God. So the question that I have for you is, is do you understand the will of God for your life? Because that's, that's really what we're talking about. Ephesians 5.17 says it this way, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So Paul is telling you and I, man, you need to be like John the Baptist. You need to be like Jesus. You need to understand what the will of the Lord is for your life. Don't be foolish. And so, you know, the good news is, is that if you, if you don't understand what the will of God is, you can. I can assure you of that. You can understand the will of God for your life. I don't care how young, how old you are, no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, no matter when you gave your heart to Christ, maybe you feel discouraged today that it's like I've lived my life and I just still, I don't, doesn't seem like I can understand what the will of the Lord is. I can assure you that after today, when you leave, you will be set, your mind will be set at ease because the word of God is very clear. It's very simple when it comes to God's will for your life. This past week, uh, when we met as a staff, I was reminded of something, an illustration that my dad, my dad was such a great teacher for me. Uh, I have all these sermon illustrations now, but there was, when I was young, uh, much, much, much younger, um, I was a little boy, let's just put it that way. And uh, actually I was, I was so young that dad put these little blocks on the wheel horse mower so that I could mow. I, I, my feet couldn't even touch the clutch and the brake. I didn't need the brake. I just popped the clutch a lot. You know, I like to try to pop wheelies with the, the wheel horse. That's beside the point. Uh, but but uh, the, before he put me on the mower to actually engage the mower blades and mow the lawn, he, he stood me by a bench, and I'll never forget it because he grabbed this oily notepad and he had this cup of pens that was like an old distributor cap, and he grabbed this big pen out of there and he said, come here, son, I wanna show you something. And so he drew a, a line with a, an angle and then another line. He said, I wanna show you how to mow the ditch because I don't want you to go out there and scalp my amazing grass. He is a grass whisperer in case those, those of you that don't know, my dad loves to grow grass. He, not, not that kind of grass, real grass, like <laughs> yard grass, sorry. I need to qualify that. He does have a really big garden in the back that's fenced off. I don't know what that's all about, but that's beside the point. <laughs> but anyway, he wanted me to mow the ditch correctly and I didn't understand how to mow it. Had I gone out there, I probably would have just gone down the ditch, turned around, went back up the ditch. And what would have happened is I would have scalped where, where the angle changes. And so he drew this thing and, he, and, I, and I, as he drew it, he said, you need to put the, the mower deck right in the edge and you need to mow this and then you need to stop short and then you need to get the mower up on top and you need to mow it so that you don't scalp the top. And I know that it's hard to explain. I should have brought a whiteboard to some of you guys have a question in your mind. If you want to know how to mow a ditch, talk to Pastor Mike after the service. He can help you that. My point is this. You may not understand what I'm talking about for the last three minutes, but I understood. I understood exactly what it was that I needed to do. I understood how to drive the mower. I understood where to put the mower deck. I understood. So the wisdom, the knowledge that he had on how to mow correctly, he transferred to me and helped me to understand. God wants to do that with you 
in your life. He wants you to understand the will of God for your life, your plan, his plan, his purpose for you, and he will do it. And so we don't have to be foolish. We can understand the light bulb can go on in your life, and you can understand. And, and let, me, let me help you with this because it's God's word that brings understanding. Just as, as, as dad's illustration brought understanding to me when it comes to how to mow the ditch, God's word is, is the key to you understanding his will. Romans uh, 12, two, you guys know this, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. His word changes the way that you think. So today, if you think, I don't know the will of God, I, 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 can't, I can't, you know, accomplish the will of God. No matter what you think, you can. He can change the way that you think. Look what it goes on to say. Then you will learn to know God's will. Learn. Huh. That's the same as understand. So just as, as, as Pastor Mike learned me how to, how to mow the ditch correctly, you too can be learned, you can understand, but it takes renewing your mind to the word of God. God's word is his will for you. Look at, look at there's, I mean, it is absolutely filled with God's will. His word is absolutely filled. God's word is a lamp in Psalms. He, you know, God's will is that we seek first the kingdom of God in Matthew 6. God's will is that we walk by faith and not by sight. God's will is that we trust on him and not lean on our own understanding. God's will is that we, he has a bright future for us in Jeremiah. God's will is, is that if we lack understanding, just ask and he will give it to us. Here's four that I found for husbands this week. It was great. God's will. We're talking about what is God's will. I don't know what God's will is. His, his word is his will. If you're a husband, here are four things. Actually, five things. Write these down. These aren't in your notes. Wives, if you want to take notes and give these to your husband, you can do that too. Number one, be understanding. That's in 1, Timothy, or 1 Peter 3.1. Treat her well, 1 Peter 3.1. Be affectionate, 1 Corinthians 7.3. Love and give, Ephesians 5. Don't be bitter, Colossians 1. Somebody said thank you. I think I just had a wife say thank you. So those are five things that that's the will of God. As a husband, like if you don't know, it's like, well, I don't know what God's will is. Well, if you go to his word, it's very, very clear. It speaks very specifically to five things that God's will is for you as a husband. And there are some things in there as a wife. I didn't decide to bring those today, but you guys can look for those on your own. You, ha you can understand the will of God, but it takes going to the book. It takes going to the book that sits in your lap or maybe it's a device that you study on. That, you, know, you have to go to it, you have to dig into it, you have to look at it and allow God's will to, and, and I mean to tell you, I, I, last night I was looking at this, I, I was like, man, I already got 100 scriptures, but it's like you, you search will of God in the Bible and I mean it just gives you this long list of, of verses and scriptures that's like, wow. And so you can do that too. But it takes going to the book to see his plan, his purpose, his will. It takes allowing the change, just as Paul talked and encouraged us in Romans 12, to allow him to change the way that we think. Because when we do this, when we go and when we, when we allow him to change it, then we will learn, then we will, we will understand 
what the will of the Lord is. But I wanna, I wanna uh, just look at three challenges because these, these kind of stood out to me as I looked at this story with, when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane praying. Uh, three challenges that he faced that I believe that when it comes to us walking out the will of God in our lives, these are three challenges that we will absolutely face. And they're, they're in your notes. Uh, there, Matthew 26, 39 says that he went a little farther and he bowed down with his face to the ground praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. So number one challenge is, is that our flesh is gonna be against the will of God. You know, Jesus was all man. He was natural, he was human, and so he, he, he uh, uh, had to deal with the struggle and the temptation of the flesh. That's why he was praying to the Father, Father, I need your help. I, I don't, I, you know, if there's po- any possible way, let this pass from me. And the same thing is true for us as, as, as natural human beings. We have to deal with the challenge of our flesh and what it is that we want. I am a few weeks away from going on vacation. My mother-in-law, she loves to cook, and there are three square meals, and there is desserts galore, okay? This is illustrating the voice and the power and the challenge of the flesh. Because you just don't wanna eat one piece, right? You wanna go back for seconds and thirds and fourths. And sometimes the flesh will even cause you to hoard hoard the desserts that you love. You will take them to your room and throw them in your refrigerator so that other people within your family cannot have what it is that your flesh wants. The challenge is your flesh doesn't want to do the will of God. Because, because here's the thing, guys. Your flesh wants to do what your flesh wants to do. It wants to go where it wants to go. It wants to look at the things that it wants to look at. It wants to do all of these things. It is against what it is that God wants for your life. And so you have to know that it's like, okay, I have to abstain from this. I have to, you know, I have to allow less of my flesh and more of him. Look at what this scripture says when it comes to your flesh. First Thessalonians 4, uh, verse 3. It says, for this is the will of God. There it is again. This is the will of God. That you should be consecrated, separated, and set apart for pure and holy living. So this is the will of God for you and I is that we are not living by our flesh, but we are set apart for holy living, that we should abstain and shrink back from all sexual vices. To each one of you should know how to control, how to possess control and manage his own body or his flesh and and consecration, purity, separation from profane things and honor. For God has not called us to impurity, but to consecration or to dedicate ourselves to what is pure. Therefore, whoever disregards or sets aside or rejects this, uh, disregards not man, but disregards God or disregards the will of God. So if we, we give in to our flesh and we live by our flesh, and I think that that is probably one of the biggest challenges and why people question and, under, you know, and don't completely understand God's will is because much of their life is lived based on the flesh. And so, so they're not honoring God and saying less of me, less of my, me and more of you, 
They're just doing and giving themselves whatever it is that they want to do, and so they struggle to hear what it is that God's will is for their life. No, we need to be consecrated. We need to possess control. We need to dedicate ourselves to living holy and pure in our lives. That will bring clarity to what it is that God's will is for our life when we live that way and overcome that challenge, the challenge of the flesh. The second one is, is Matthew 26, 40 says that, that, that he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. Can you imagine that? Some of the, your best friends, the closest people to Jesus, the people that, 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 that followed him and he was teaching them. He comes back and they're sleeping. And it goes on to say, he said to Peter, couldn't you watch even for one hour? Couldn't you watch and couldn't you pray for me for what it was that I was about to do? Peter and his buddies, man, they're asleep. And so that leads me to number two. Some people in your life will be against the will of God. Some people that surround you, they're, they're not going to be on this train of less of me and more of him. They're not going to be on this train of not my will, but your will be done. And, and the, the, it's just the fact of the matter. You just have to be... Uh, 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 know that it's going to take place, that there's going to be people in your life that, that want to do their own thing. They want to follow the desires of their will and their, their plan and their purpose for their life. They're going to uh, try to accomplish things, and God is not going to be a part of the, the equation. But as far as you go, you have to just make that a determination. Well, you know what? They're not going with me, but this is the way I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. I mean, I will just, we'll just go back to what it is that we talked about last week with John the Baptist. John knew what it was that he was supposed to be doing. He knew the will of the Father. He knew his purpose, and he was going that way. His buddies and the people that were following him were trying to get him consumed with, look at what they're doing and comparing and, 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 and having these feelings that would have caused him to go off of what it is that God willed for his life. And so sometimes people in your life will be against God's will for your life. The third uh, challenge is this, Matthew 26, 41, keep watch and pray so that you uh, will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And so the third temptation that I believe uh, that we see here is, is tempted against God's will. In our lives, when we, when we endeavor to walk and live in the plan and the wish that he has for you, you there's going to be temptation that comes. The enemy does not want you to fulfill the plan and the will of God for your life. He doesn't. He wants you to live on a level far lower and, and below what it is that God called you to live. He doesn't want you to influence. He doesn't want you to share. He doesn't want you to reach people. He doesn't want you to be a, a voice in people's life. He wants you to live down where you're quiet, you live your little life, you go to church, you don't influence anybody, you don't touch anybody's life, you don't, you don't share the word of God, you don't bring life, light to people's life. That's where he wants you. He's okay if you're just kind of going through the motions and, and going to church and giving a little bit. He, that's, that's down here. But as you begin to look at God's word and you overcome these challenges, you'll rise up to new levels of God's will for your life, walking in those things influencing people, people that you come into contact, people I may never see, people Pastor Michael may never see, you could be a catalyst of change in somebody's life. God has ordained you to touch and, and, and reach people in this world, in the job place, on the ball field, in the, in the places that you walk and, and where it is that you go. It's amazing, yesterday we went to Qdoba. I love Qdoba, oh, so good flesh. Got to get, get a control over that thing. Woo. 
But there's three people standing behind this desk, and they're just doing their thing, you know, just, you know, throwing, the sh throwing it down one thing after another, man. Just in their world, in their zone, you can tell nobody talks to them. They don't care. They want, people want their burrito. And I got to the end, and I just like, hey, how you doing today? Just ask the guy that was taking my money. He was charging me way too much. I wasn't real happy about it. But hey, how you doing? I know you're getting a good raise because I'm paying $28 for two burritos. But anyway, that's beside the point. But, but this guy, he came to life. He's just like, oh yeah, you know? And then the, the girl, she was coming down with the, she had just cooked something else. And I asked her a question and she come to light. And, and it was really cold in there. It was like 62 degrees in there. Like, why is it so cold in here? And they're like, we don't know, you know? But what I, my point is, is that if you'll just simply engage people, maybe ask them, hey, you know, maybe you see somebody that looks down, like, just ask them, hey, is there something I can pray with you about? And just, ask, you know, just engage in their life. You would be amazed at what, what could take place and what could transpire. Because they'll begin to open up their life and say, yeah, you know, I just lost my grandma or, or whatever. And that will give you your inroad into speaking into, your, into their life and really being an influence in them and allowing God to use you. Allowing God to walk out and lead you in his plan and his will for your life. And so those are the temptations that we have to overcome. I'm reminded too, you know, if you guys remember the rich young ruler, he wanted eternal life. But, 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 but he said, I'm doing all these things. And Jesus said, there's just one thing that you need to do. You need to sell what it is that you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And he just could not do it. How would his life have been different? His God's plan, his purpose for this man, how, how might that have been different had he overcome the temptation, the thing that he thought he had to have? And that's how we live our lives sometimes is that we live our lives and, and, and we think we have to have it. We think we can't go without. And God's saying, hey, just give this up. I, I, and, and I think sometimes, you know, when, and that's one of the questions that I was asking myself is, is that when it comes to the will of God, what about what I want? You know, that's kind of how we start in this is like, what, what about what it is that I want? Do, do I, you know, if I'm gonna, if, if it's less of me and more of him, if it's his will and not my will, do I just have to, you know, trudge through life doing whatever it is that he says? No, it's, it's far greater than that. And we'll see it here at the end. And so you can be reassured that you will get the desires of your heart. Uh, you know, but, but, but had this rich young ruler overcome the temptation, his life may have been so much more different. So number one, we have to understand what the will of the Lord is. We do that by going to the word of God. We, go, we do that by understanding what these three temptations are to get us off track. And that leads us to number two, and that is that we have to align ourselves with the will of God. So we have to, number one, understand. Number two, align. Matthew 26, 39 says, I want your will to be done, not mine. I want your will to be done, not mine. You have to align. You guys remember Jonah in the Bible? Jonah aligned, he had to align his, his will, or I'm sorry, he had to align himself with the will of God. Because remember, God wanted him to go to Nineveh and he wanted him to, to reach and speak into these people's lives. And Jonah didn't want to do that. What did Jonah do? He did not align himself with the will of God. He, he unaligned himself with the will of God and went and got on a ship and went the opposite direction of what it was that God wanted him to do. 
And he ended up, you know, you know the rest of the story. But the point is, is that he didn't, he, there's a choice that all of us have to make. I can understand what the will of God is until Jesus comes back. But if I don't align myself with it daily, being less of me and more of him, not my will, but your will be done. That's, that's the aligning of it. That's like, Lord, I'm just going to make a choice each and every day that I get out of bed. I know there's going to be these challenges, these fleshly things, these things, these external things, these internal things, but I am just going to choose to align myself with the will of God. That's what happened. Jonah finally he, you know, it's kind of like he went back and forth. It's a really cool story because for a while he wasn't aligned. Then he got aligned. Then he kind of got out of the line because he got a bad attitude, you know, and he went under the tree and all these things. But, but my point is, is that God used him. God saved Nineveh because he aligned with God's will. And so the same thing is true with you and I. We have to get in alignment with what his word says. And, and, and it goes back to kind of what we talked about before, because if, if the challenge of the flesh and we're, we're just given, we're not aligning ourselves with what, what we just got done reading in Thessalonians, where it talks about abstaining and consecrating our lives, you know, we are out of alignment with God's will in that area. So in many areas of our life, we have to get in alignment. And so there might just be a few areas in your life. Maybe there's a lot of areas in your life that you have to get realigned. But it's just taking those steps to say, Lord, I, I'm just going to align what I want, my will, to your will. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you have to say. You know, uh, Will played soccer for the first time this, this year. Pretty amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, you got all these little eight-year-olds out there, some of which have played ba- uh, uh, soccer, some have not. And inevitably, you know, it's like it was a painful season, a very, very painful season for someone who is extremely competitive uh, because I don't like losing. I don't like anybody, you know, that I'm associated with losing. You know, I want everybody to win, right? If you're on my team and you're a part of my group, I want you to win. And, uh, um, and so he's out there, man, and he's doing his thing. And there was, there was this one kid on this team. And if he got the ball, we were in trouble. And by that, I mean, if he got the ball, I mean, it was like he would dribble. He just kept it to himself. He's like a ball hog. You all know what a ball hog is? They don't ever give up the ball. I mean, it doesn't matter how many people are on top of him. It doesn't matter how many opponents. It doesn't matter, you know, they're going to keep it. And so, I mean, this kid, he get the ball and everybody's, I mean, the coach is yelling at him. His, his teammates are yelling at him. The parents are yelling at him like, hey, give, you know, pass the ball. He's got it. You got a teammate right there, you know, and everybody's yelling at him and he's just doing his thing, you know, going down the field. And I mean, just, you know, he's in his own world doing his own thing, doing what he wants, doing his will for his life. And that is the sorry. I mean, he did not understand. He did not align himself with with the team. The teams, you know, we're, we're, we're in this together. We're all working together to get the ball down the field and into the goal. And he's over there by himself, selfishly doing his own thing, not sharing the ball, getting attacked, and then losing the ball. How many people in here, I'm not gonna, you don't have to raise your hand, but do we live our lives that way sometimes? Where, where God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to help us understand the will, the plan, and the purpose for our life. 
But are we like this kid and we're just like going down the road, you know, doing what we want to do, buying what we want to buy, living how we want to live? You know, we're dribbling the ball and our teammates are yelling at us, fellow believers are yelling at us, God's yelling at us, our spouse is yelling at us. Like, hey, there's more to this. You know, you, know, you, you get what I'm saying? So we have to align ourselves with what he's telling us to do and, and, and get lined up with him so, that, so we can really get farther and we can go farther, we can do more in life when we get aligned with his will. We can't be self-centered. We have to get you know, to a place where we're not depending on our own strength and our own ability and, 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 and our own uh, accomplishments to uh, you know, accomplish things in life. If we would surrender ourselves to him and align ourselves with him, he can exponentially use us and, and cause us to do so much more if we will just grasp it. But I think sometimes we're afraid. We're afraid that we're gonna, we're gonna lose the ball or we're gonna, you know, and, and, and it's this selfish nature that we, we control too much. And what I'm saying is, is that when we align with him, he brings so much more to our lives. Our, our lives are so much more rich. And, and, and we can't just selfishly follow these whims. So, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, um, 12 says this, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. I went around doing whatever I thought uh, I could do, uh, uh, could get away with. I'd be a slave to the whim. And so we see here is, is that Paul is talking to, to people and he's saying, listen, yeah, there's things that you can technically get away with, but, but people that do that, they're like the kid on the soccer ball field. They're, it's, it's all self-consumed. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. I'm gonna go where I wanna do. I'm gonna do my plans. I'm gonna do my will, my purpose. But, but what ends up happening is, is that just like Paul said, you're a slave to the whim. You're a slave to what you want. You're controlled by what you want, not by what it is that he wants. And so we just have to um, you know, align ourselves with God's will. And it requires that we conform our thoughts. We, we looked earlier at Romans 12, but look at this. It says in 2 Timothy 2.22, 2, 2, it says to shun youthful lusts and flee from them, aim at and pursue righteousness. Um, righteous, virtuous, and right living. And get this conformity to the will of God in thought. So, it's, so if, if, if you begin to look at the word of God, you're going to conform the way you think to what it is that he thinks. His desires will become your desires. The more that you consume yourself with the word of God, the more that his desires become your desires. The more that he wills for your life, the plan, the purpose, all of the, the, the great promises that he's given to you, they come to light in your life. And you begin to live them out and share them with other people. And so it takes us conforming in our thoughts. The last one is this, and that is to commit. So we have to, we have to understand the will of God. We can understand the will of God by his word. We need to align to the will of God. And number three, we have to commit to the will of God. John 5, 19 says, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son, of, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, he does. Jesus was committed to doing only what the father wanted. And I brought a picture of commitment today. Actually, I don't know why it came up. I was so distracted by pictures today. Anybody have an iPhone in here? It's like the pictures come up. Oh, yeah, I could click on it. And, uh, never mind. 
I was looking at this picture of commitment. Did you, do you guys have that picture? So this is me when I was younger. <laughs> I was on a ladder, and that's my brother, and he's got a light bulb box, and I texted him this morning. I was like, bro, you were not holding that ladder. If that ladder would have like, you know, twisted at all, I would have been gone. I would have been in the grass, you know, and, and so he's like, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't holding the ladder. He was not committed. I was committed, right? I tried to get him to go up there. I, I tried to say, hey, are you go do it. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. He was uncommitted. I was committed. I'm like, okay, this is the kingdom of God. This is God's house. This is God's property. We're going to change this bulb, even if it's the most un-OSHA thing we could ever do. But I got up there, and I did it. I was committed. But, but here's the thing. You can take that down. You know, sometimes we're not committed. We don't want to commit. You know, we, 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 we change our mind. Uh, you know, we see this a lot too. Uh, better things come along. You know, have you ever asked somebody to do something? It's like, you don't hear from them, you don't hear from them, you don't hear from them. It's like, what are they doing? Do they not want to come? Do they not want to commit? Are they waiting for some better party to come along? You know, we see that. We sometimes are non-committal. But man, when it comes to the will of God, we can't be non-committal. We can't be in one day and out the next. We gotta be committed day after day, month after month, year after year, I am committed to doing the will of God. I'm gonna follow through. I'm gonna follow through. So there's some ways that we can commit. We can commit to do. Romans 2, 18 and 21 says, and you claim to know the will of God. This is Paul talking. He's talking to some religious people. You claim to know the will of God and to have the moral high ground because you have been taught the laws of Moses. So let me ask you this. Why don't you practice what you preach? I'm just gonna let that sit in there for a second. Because I think sometimes we go to church, we understand what the will of the Lord is, we understand what it is that God's telling us to do, the Holy Spirit's telling us in our heart what we're supposed to be doing but we don't necessarily commit. We don't commit to do. We, we know it, but we don't practice what it is that we preach. And, and I, I include myself. There are times where I don't necessarily practice what it is that I preach, but, but, but I align myself with him. And I, if I, if I, when I come to the realization that I am not doing what it is, I'm not following through, whether it's you know, in any area of my life, it's like, man, I, I, when the Lord says to me, I, I quickly get myself back into alignment. Say, Lord, I, I'm sorry. And if it's a person that I have failed, I, 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 I apologize to them. Because it's important that we, that we follow through, that we practice what we preach. We can understand the will of God. We can align ourselves with the will of God, but we have to commit to doing and walking out and putting it into practice. And, and I think, too, Sometimes we want the very, very specific things like, Lord, what should I do here? What should I do here? You know, and he's saying, listen, I've given you a book full of my will. Start there, right? Just start there. Because what's amazing about our Heavenly Father is, is that if we'll, we'll be faithful in those little things, he'll make us ruler over much. He'll, he'll begin to, to really speak to you specifically about the things that maybe you're really dealing with. But I think sometimes when we disregard the general things, 
He's like, man, you haven't even done the general things. I need you to do the, the general things, and then I'll begin to speak to you about the specific things. And so we have to commit in, how we, in what we do. We have to commit to patience and endurance. How many of you guys love those two words? Patience and endurance. Oh, my gosh, patience. I was just with my wife yesterday out running around. We went to the fishing game club. We were mourning the level of, of Lake Manawa. I was mourning it. I was sad, if you guys don't understand, I am a boating, my, my daughter calls me a boataholic. I like to boat. As you know, I've got a farmer's tan because I haven't been in the boat all year, hasn't been in the water. And so we're standing there, and we're just mourning the level of Manawa. It was just so sad, it's a foot or two low. Did you guys know that? Random information, you guys don't even care. It's low. So we're standing there and there's this little girl out there and she's, you know, fishing. And uh, she'd, she'd cast it and she'd reel it in. She'd walk over here, cast it and reel it in. She'd go over here, cast it and reel it in. She'd go over here. Ca- she, and Rachel's like, she is not patient. <laughs> I said, you know what? I would be, she actually, my wife said, she's not patient. And she's like, that's exactly how you are. I was like, what? <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, man. I, you know, if we're going to do something, I want to do it. And I want to see results. You know, if I cast it in, I don't cast a fish. I'm going to another place. We're going to catch fish there. And that's why I don't fish. I just don't fish. I'm a fisher of men, just not a fisher of fish. <laughs> but it takes, commitment takes patience and it takes endurance. Hebrews 10, 36 says, for you have need of, of steadfast patience and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God. Ooh, that's painful. So I may not be patient in fishing But when it comes to the will of God, I am going to have to be patient. We are all going to have to be patient. Some of you guys are so patient. You have the patience of Job. You could could wait forever. You're you're great. You're good when it comes to the scripture. Some of us that are not patient, we're going to have to be patient. We're going to have to have endurance so that we can accomplish the will of God. The last thing here is, is we have to commit. Commitment brings blessing. Commitment brings blessing. And this kind of leads me back to what we talked about before at the very beginning, that, that, that what about my will? What about the desires of my heart? You know, if, I, if, I, if, I'm, if it's less of me and more of him, if it's, if it's not my will and it's all his will, do, do I have a say? Is there anything, you know, wh- what about that? Look what it says. Psalms 119, verse one. I'm really starting to like this amplified version for all the, the ladies in the house. Whoop, whoop. It says, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are the undefiled, the upright, truly sincere and blameless in the way of, get this, of the revealed will of God who walk in order of their conduct and their conversation in the law of the Lord, the whole God, God's revealed will. And so we're gonna be blessed as a result of of all of the things that we've talked about this morning, understanding, aligning, and committing our lives to it, when we do these things, man, he just begins to pour blessing out on your life. You, you may not understand it. But man, it's like we've, we know, I love, I love this verse. Psalms 37, four says, delight myself, delight myself in his will. Delight myself in what he wants, and he will give you the desires of, you, of your heart. So all the things that he's asking you maybe initially to give up, when we understand, align, and commit to his will, he just, he brings 
all of those desires back into our life in, in, in a much more rich way. Uh, Matthew 6.33 is one, another verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of the other things will be added unto you. And so I got a story here I want to tell you, and then we're going to sing one last song. But it's about a couple named Tobias and Ollie. Ollie. I, my dog's name's Ollie. Tobias and Ollie Ham. And they were farmers in rural Kentucky back in the 1800s. And uh, they had a son named Mordecai who was born on April 2nd, 1877 in Allen Cal County, Kentucky. And at nine years old, Mordecai felt a calling, the call of God on his life as a nine-year-old. But unfortunately, he resisted the call of God on his life because he saw his dad and his grandpa who were also ministers of the word of God. He saw them struggle. He saw the, 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 that they were poor and he just determined, he's like, I'm not going to be like that. I don't want to be a poor pastor. I don't want to be a poor preacher. And so he ran from the things of God and he, he went to college and went and, and, and began a business and decided to just be a businessman. And uh, unfortunately, God had a different plan for his life. He had a different will for Mordecai. And so Eventually, his, his uh, grandpa passed away. And as a result, in, the, in, the, in that time, the Lord used that situation to really get a hold of Mordecai's heart and help him to realize, I have a different plan for you, Mordecai. I have a different call for you, Mordecai. And so he, he answered that call, began to align himself and follow after the things of God. And uh, it's cool because he went around, he pastored for a couple years, and then he became an evangelist. And he traveled all over just preaching the word of God. And one time in, uh, I want to get this date right, 1934, he was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he's holding a crusade, and there were two boys in this, in this crusade, 16-year-old boys, who were far from God, did not know God, and Mordecai felt like in his heart that, that they were there, and he called them out, and their, their names were Billy Graham and Billy's friend. I can't remember his name. But my point is, is that, you know, you think about Tobias and Ollie as parents. Like sometimes we think that what it is that we do, the, the, the life that we have is, well, this isn't great. This isn't fabulous. This is, this is really plain. We're struggling. This must not be the will of God. I guarantee you Tobias and Ollie thought those thoughts. If they struggled and they were farmers and they moved, you know, a couple different times, you know, if you look back in history, they struggled and they questioned the call of God. They questioned what it was that they were doing. But I'm, I'm glad that they didn't give up on it, that they didn't continue to commit themselves to raising kids that honor God because they committed to raising Mordecai to honor God. And although he went a different direction, he ended up coming back and Mordecai who, who thought that the will of God was not what he wanted. He saw something, he questioned it. He decided, no, I'm not, I'm not doing the will of God. And he went a different way, but God got a hold of him. He, and he aligned himself. And because he aligned himself, God placed Billy Graham in his thing. Can you imagine if Mordecai, I mean, I'm sure that God could have used someone else. But man, when Mordecai got to heaven, I'm sure that he, there was great, there was great uh, uh, celebration. I'm sure that the Heavenly Father was like, well done. Because he answered, he, he, he committed and aligned himself with what, with what it was that God wanted for his life. And so we can't minimize. You, you, you may be an influence to a Billy Graham and you don't even know it. 
as a teacher, as a mom, as, as, a, as a husband, as a, as a person that works at a business. You may come into contact with somebody. You may lead somebody to Christ that may lead another Billy Graham to the Lord. I don't know. But, but my, my, my point is, is that we, we gotta be all about his plan. Not our will, but his plan. Not our will, but his will for our lives. So that, so that when we get to heaven, he can say, well done, you did it. And, and, and I, I was able to use you and operate through you. I, that's what our church, we, we need to be in alignment with his will, both personally and as a church, that we're all in unison, we're all committed, we're all aligned, we're all understanding that, that you know, changing diapers or watching little tykes or, or working with youth or sitting in a sound booth behind a screen and nobody sees you. It's all a part of what it is that God is trying and wanting to do. There's jobs, there's things, there, and, and, and I think that the enemy works on us and tries to help us think that it's insignificant. But every part plays a part. Every part is important. And so we can't, we can't allow ourselves to be talked off of that and just say, you know what, Lord? This is not glorious. No one sees me, no one notices me, but you know what? I'm doing this as unto the Lord. Not my will, not what I want, but your will be done. And when we have that attitude, I, I, I believe with all my heart, just as we read, our lives will be blessed, our church will be blessed, our families will be blessed, and people that we come into contact will be blessed, amen? Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today. Father, I just thank you for your plan and your purpose and your will for our lives. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, Father God, today we just come before you. Because you know, there's no point in our life where we just get to be done doing your will for our lives. And so today, Father God, just, you know, in this moment of decision, Father God, we just all surrender our lives. We commit our lives. We realign our lives with your will your plan and your purpose for us so that so that we as individuals can be stronger so that we as individuals can reach and and do what it is that you've called us to do so that this church father god can reach the people that you have called us to reach and i just thank you father that you are helping each and every one of us to walk in commitment to walk in understanding and to align our lives father god with you i know that great blessing are in the days ahead father as a result of people that are are, are all about your will and so today as a church father we just recommit to you we thank you father for your plan and your purpose i pray father for those that that are here today that may not understand that maybe you're confused, Father. I, I just ask that you in these days to come as they look upon your word, that you will reveal and show them, Father, what it is that you have for them, for their marriage, for their kids, maybe for their future, for their job, for their career. Man, if there's something different, I pray that you would just give them boldness to step out, to see and know the steps to take the path to take, that level ground that you promised us. We thank you for the level ground. Yes, we thank you for the level ground. Thank you, Father, for level ground. Thank you, Jesus. If there's anybody in here with every head bowed and eye closed and, and you want to 
recommit your life to Christ. If you're far from him, we don't want to take that for granted. We want to give you that opportunity. If you're here today just with an uplifted hand, say, Brian, that's me. I am far from God. I need to get right with him. If you're in here and you are that person, just raise up your hand, put it right back down. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? I think we're amongst our own. Father, we just thank you today for this house of believers. Father, we thank you for the people that are coming, the people that are coming, the people, Father, that we as believers are going to reach. I thank you that we are going to be bold. We are going to influence. That is your will. Your will is that we go into all the earth and preach the gospel. Your will is to go into the earth and reach those that are lost. Your will is that we go and reach those that are hurting. And so, Father, I pray over this church. I pray over us as individuals. I pray, Father God, that we would be more bold. I pray that we would hunger and thirst, Father, Father God, for for the lost to be saved in this house. And Father God, I thank you that your will will be done in our lives and in this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand and just commit this to the Lord, commit what it is that we've we've, uh, heard, what the Holy Spirit has spoken to your life. I just just want you to just commit that today to him as we sing this last song and as we close this out.